0: You have your Bibles with you this morning. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, today we'll, we'll be looking at several verses. So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll be looking at verses 8 and 11. And then we'll also be looking over at Romans chapter 12, verses 6 and 8 as well. So uh, you can kind of put a, a finger in, in Romans 12 as well. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, I invite you to grab one of the pew Bibles there. And 1 Corinthians 12, 8 and 11 is on page 902, and Romans 12 is on 891. So you can turn to those places, 902 and 891. Now last week we began to look at the spiritual gifts. Now, I gave you kind of a broad definition of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are God's gifts or God's special gifts to the church for the ministry of the gospel. So spiritual gifts are God's special gifts to the church for the ministry of the gospel. God empowers the ministry and the mission of the church through spiritual gifts. So we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry out God's mission And ministry in this world and the spiritual gifts used in conjunction with one another within the the life of the church further reveals God to the world so as people look at the church using their spiritual gifts together to edify one another to build up one another to to proclaim the gospel to the lost world they see a, a vision of a revealing of Christ to the world Christ isn't here visibly we have his word uh, but in the church the world should be able to see Christ see pictures images of Christ as the church works together in the ministry and the mission of that God has given her therefore it is imperative for the church to understand spiritual gifts what they are, and how they work, how they function in the life of the church. So we're going to kind of take a pause here in 1 Corinthians, and we're going to spend a little extra time here on the spiritual gifts because this is such an important doctrine to the life of the church. So uh, just get ready. We're going to spend the next several weeks looking at spiritual gifts. Now, in Scripture, there are no complete lists of spiritual gifts. All right, we, we have some partial lists here and there. We have a partial list here in 1 Corinthians 12. We have another partial list over in Romans chapter 12. And then there's a few little scattered mentions of, of kind of spiritual gift-like things uh, throughout the rest of the New Testament. But there's no set list, right? There's, there's no, no author of Scripture says, all right, here's the spiritual gifts. Get your pen out. Get ready. Here, here they are. And, and lays them out for us. So there are some predominant spiritual gifts that we see. And so in some of these partial lists, we see some of those predominant gifts being listed. And so we can certainly consider those. But there are other, other spiritual gifts out there. There are other spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts that we haven't identified uh, or Scripture doesn't identify as, hey, this is a spiritual gift. So there are other spiritual gifts but we're going we're gonna to look at the, the predominant gifts as we look at this study. Furthermore, there are hues of gifts. There are hues of gifts. It, when, when you have this combination of gifts, several gifts coming together, right, uh, they begin to create kind of a, a new gift, right? A new gift. Uh, it looks a little different when you combine Prophecy with mercy and all of these other. When you when you bring these together, then it kind of becomes a a new thing altogether. So you have these, you know, specific ones that are predominant, but when you get these specific gifts together, they kind of begin to make up a new kind of gift. Uh, Think of it like a, a painter's palette. Right, the painter has his palette there in his hand. He has all the basic colors. But then what does he do? He takes a little bit of this color and a little bit of that color, takes a little red and a little blue, and he makes a purple, right? And he, and he can add a little more red and a little more blue to make it a, a different a shade of purple. And he could throw some white in there to lighten it up, right? It, it becomes a whole new color. So there's different hues of spiritual gifts when we begin to, to put all of these spiritual gifts together. So as we begin to work through the spiritual gifts, we're, we're not going to cover every spiritual gift. That would be an impossibility. But we're going to look at those predominant spiritual gifts that are listed in Scripture, those that are specifically listed in Scripture. So if, if I miss one, if, you, if you've read a, a, a inventory list somewhere along the way and, and I don't cover one that was on that inventory list, don't worry, that, that's just a hue, right? Uh, We're going to cover the main ones that are covered in scripture, the most predominant gifts that we see in the church. So when we begin to think about the predominant spiritual gifts then, there are two broad categories of spiritual gifts. There are two broad categories. One, there are the temporary sign gifts. There's temporary sign gifts, and we're going to talk about those later on. We're going to put those off for a while. But there's the temporary sign gifts, those that were in the church for a while, but they've they've gone away. They were temporary. Uh, Second are the permanent edifying gifts. The permanent edifying gifts. Those are here in the church until Christ comes back. Uh, Those gifts are in the church. They're active in the church. And so we're going to cover those first. Now, when talking about the permanent edifying gifts, Scripture kind of breaks those down even further. And there are two categories. Uh, First Peter gives this indication. First Peter chapter four, verses ten and eleven reads, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another, as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. And so we see here two kind of subcategories of the spiritual gifts. There are speaking gifts and serving gifts. Speaking gifts and serving gifts. Today, we're going to start looking at the speaking gifts. We're going to start with the speaking gifts. The speaking gifts are God's special gifts to build up or to edify the church in the word of truth. So let me say that again. The speaking gifts are God's special gifts to build up, to edify the church in the word of truth, in the word of truth. So so these are teachers and preachers and, and those who, who share the word of truth, the word of God to the church. They're, they're teaching the word of God. We're going to see six spirit six speaking gifts, six speaking gifts. Today we're going to get through half of them. So today your, your, your list there, you have your hand out there, it has six. Uh, don't worry when it gets to be, you know, 1130 and we're halfway through two or something. Uh, don't worry. Uh, we're going to come back next week and we're going to get the other three. So today we're just going to look at the first three and then next week we'll, we'll pick up where we left off where we leave off today so uh, if you've found your place there we do want to revere god's word so if you found your place in first corinthians chapter 12 please stand with me in reverence to the reading of god's holy word hear the word of the lord for to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom and to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, the work of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And let me just go ahead and read uh, Romans chapter 12 as well. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to uh, our faith, if service in our serving the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortations, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. So as we begin to look at the spirit, the speaking gifts this morning, we want to start, first of all, and these are not going to be in order that we see them in Scripture. Uh, they're going to be a more of a, a logical order that i put together. So uh, you'll see we'll kind of go from place to place here to to discover all of these. But the first speaking gift that we see and that we want to identify this morning is the, the gift of prophecy, the gift of prophecy. Now, a lot of people would say, well, this is a... Uh, one of those sign gifts, the temporary sign gifts that have passed away. Well, uh, some aspects of what we think of prophecy have indeed passed away. But when we look at prophecy and the, the main idea behind prophecy in Scripture, uh, there's still a, a part of this gift, an aspect of this gift of prophecy that is still alive and well today in the church. So let's kind of work this out. We're going to spend probably a good chunk of time here on prophecy. uh, So just get ready. The gift of prophecy is the ability to deliver representative declaration of the mind, will, or knowledge of God. In other words, it is the ability to boldly and confidently proclaim God's word before an audience. Let me say that last part again. Uh, It is the ability to boldly and confidently proclaim God's word before an audience. So uh, let me just, let's define that word prophecy. Our English word really derives from the the Greek word. The Greek word is prophetes. Prophetes, there are two parts of that word. There are two parts. It's kind of like two words being crammed together to make a new word. First, there is the the verbal stem, fe, profetes, fe, fe means to to speak, it means to speak or to say something, so to speak, but then you have the the prefix pro, before it, uh, pro means before, that's even in English, pro is before, so when you put those two words together and you make prophecy, it means to before speak. Now predominantly, you know, when we think about that, we kind of think about time, before time. So uh, we're speaking before something happens. But predominantly when that word is used in, in the, especially the Greek and even the idea in the, the, the Hebrew word, it means not speaking before, as in speaking before in time, but it means speaking before an audience. In other words, it's not mainly and predominantly about foretelling, it's about forthtelling. It's about speaking before an audience, making a declaration before an audience. And that's what we see oftentimes in Scripture. Now, there are, there is, there was, the office of prophet in the Old Testament. We need to be clear about that. There was the office of of prophet in the Old Testament. And often as a prophet, they did some foretelling, especially what we have today, what we have uh, witnessing to us today. Many of the Old Testament prophets, including Moses, Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, right? These were prophets of the Old Testament. And they did have a foretelling uh, aspect to, to their ministry. God was speaking inspired and errant word to them, and he was causing them to write that word down. So we have their testimony before us today. So we see that kind of foretelling in Scripture. And, and we need to understand now that kind of prophecy is it's gone. It was temporary. God was giving it as he was proclaiming his word, as he was having his word written down for us. He empowered men to to write the word. He would speak to them. He would inspire them so that what they wrote was the very word of God. And so that, that, that office was in the Old Testament, and then it kind of faded away. Then in the New Testament, we have the office of apostle, and the apostles worked in much the same way. They were used by God, they were inspired by God to write down the word of God. So when we're looking at Romans and 1 Corinthians, Paul is, is writing as an apostle of Jesus Christ. He is writing holy, inspired, and inerrant words so that what we have in Scripture is the very word of God. And so there was that aspect At certain times in history, there was that that component at certain times in history. But there was also a test that went went along with that office, right? There was a test. How do you test a prophet? Number one, everything that the prophet says comes true. If it doesn't come true, he's a false prophet. Number two, the prophet preaches uh, in consistency with the word of God. He does everything according to the Word of God. In other words, you can check out what he's saying by the Word of God. And if it doesn't check out with the Word of God, guess what? You stone him. If it doesn't everything come true, then what? You stone him. So let me just say, a lot of these self-proclaimed prophets today, let's just go by the the Old Testament Word, and and let's test what you say by God's Word. Uh, Does it come true? Is it consistent with God's word? If it doesn't meet one of the two of these, you know, these regulations, then just stand up and let us stone you then because that's what God's word says. Uh, I think if we lived by that, we'd probably have a lot fewer self-proclaimed prophets today. I mean, really. Uh, That's how you know a prophet. Number one, if they are foretelling, if they're telling about a future event, that future event comes true. But that's not enough. Even if they tell of a future event and it does come true, God says if they speak something that is not consistent with my word, if they begin to try to draw you away from me and my word, then they're a false prophet. They've got to meet both of those regulations. And so we see that gift in times past. But guess what? Now God has given us his full revelation. We have Genesis, the beginning, and we have the revelation of Jesus Christ, the end, when Jesus Christ returns. So we need no more, we need no more revelation. We need no new revelation. And that's exactly how these cults are started, right? They they have, uh, I have a new, reg, uh, new revelation from God. I have a new word from God. And they start this cult because what they have isn't consistent with God's word. So we need to be clear that that, that aspect of Old Testament, the Old Testament office of prophecy, where they were speaking the inspired and inerrant word of God, it has passed away. We have the full revelation of God. We need no new revelation. We need no new revelation. We have it all. God has given us all that we need. He's given us the, from the beginning to the end what we need to know as we walk on this earth. But that was only a small portion. Uh, we see that a lot because that's, that's the written word that we have from the prophets, right? That's what we know. They, they, were, forth, they were foretelling. But much of the, the, off, the office of prophet in the Old Testament, more of it, more than foretelling, their, their duty was foretelling. It was proclaiming the word of God already revealed. Uh, they were going back to the the Mosaic law, and they were saying, look, here's what God said. This is how we should be living. And and they were proclaiming the word of God and calling people to obedience. So that was their main function. It was not foretelling the future. It was foretelling the word of God, the word already revealed. And so when we're talking about the the prophecy as a spiritual gift it's not about foretelling but it's about foretelling it's about a man who stands up before people and says thus saith the lord right here in this text thus saith the lord that's what we're talking about the gift of prophecy it's a person who proclaims the word of truth the word of god we see this i think in in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, as we read earlier there, Romans chapter 12, verse 6 says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith. Now, this is interesting here. When we, we look at that, the English is, is not so clear. But if prophecy in proportion, that word in proportion... It has a, a sense of relationship. Uh, so you could actually translate it uh, in relationship to. In relationship to our faith. And then that, that word there, our, is not really there in the, the Greek. In, in the Greek, there's a definite article there. It, it, it's the word the in the English. It would be the. And so a very literal translation of this, would be if prophecy in relation to the faith in relation to the faith a definite faith now oftentimes in scripture when you see that the faith it's referring to not our belief right us trusting i have faith in christ but when you say the faith what's it referring to it's referring to the faith that we all believe in the faith that we trust in the faith of the church the the faith that the the whole church clings to and hangs on it's it's what we believe collectively it's what we trust in collectively it's the collective revelation of the gospel of jesus christ in god's holy word so i think what paul is is saying there, if prophecy in proportion to, in relation to the faith, he is saying, a prophet is one who proclaims the word of the faith, the gospel of Jesus Christ, revealed in the Bible. So a prophet is one who preaches the word of God, proclaims the word of God. So Uh, We see this at other places as well. We see this same kind of idea, Acts chapter 16, verse 5. So the the churches were strengthened in the faith. They were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in number daily. As the, the preachers and teachers proclaimed the gospel, the churches grew in the faith, not just in faith, but the faith. Galatians chapter 1, verse 23, Paul says of himself, they only were hearing it said that he, that is Paul, who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith. He once tried to destroy. He tried to destroy Christianity. He tried tried to destroy the, the message of the gospel going out. But now Paul was preaching the faith. And I think that's what he's referring to in Romans chapter 12. Prophecy in relation to the faith the faith of jesus christ the message of jesus christ revealed in scripture so it is about forth it's about proclaiming the gospel proclaiming the word of god being able to boldly and 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 confidently stand before a people and say thus saith the lord And proclaim the word of truth without backing down. That's the gift of prophecy. It's the gift of prophecy. And let me just say, if you are a preacher, you have to have the gift of prophecy. You have to have the gift of prophecy. When you get up into the pulpit, your job as a preacher is to proclaim the word of God. Line by line, verse by verse. There is no option to skip over uncomfortable or unpopular text. A preacher must preach the word in season and out of season. Preacher, every preacher better have the gift of prophecy, the gift of proclamation, being able to boldly and confidently proclaim the word of truth. We see demonstrations of this of course in scripture examples of this in scripture stephen though he was a a deacon in the church he he exemplifies the gift of prophecy when he in acts chapter 7 boldly proclaims the gospel before a crowd who was getting ready to stone him he didn't back down but he confidently proclaimed the word of truth paul Time after time again, he proclaimed the word of truth, even though it caused him to be beaten, imprisoned, stoned, and shipwrecked. He never backed down from proclaiming the truth of God's word. A prophet is one who, or one with the gift of prophecy, is one who proclaims the word of truth, the word of God, boldly and with confidence. The gift of prop, the gift of prophecy. Is the spirit given ability to boldly and confidently proclaim God's word before a people. So that's the gift of prophecy. Second is the gift. I told you that would take a while. It would take a while. But now we go. That's first prophecy. Second is the gift of knowledge. The gift of knowledge. And for that, we we flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The gift of knowledge. that is the word of knowledge, the word of knowledge. And no, this is not in order of what Paul has got going on here, but uh, we're going to look at knowledge now and wisdom later. But knowledge actually logically comes before wisdom, and you'll see that as we, we work to, through these next two spiritual gifts. The gift of knowledge is the ability to acquire deep insights into God's word and bring illumination of these insights to others. All right? It's the ability to acquire deep insights into God's word and bring that those insights to bring illumination to those insights to others, to teach those insights to others so that they understand. So, a person with the gift of knowledge, they have a A thirst for knowledge, right? They're the ones who like to dig down deep into the details of the biblical text. Uh, They dig into the linguistics of the text. They dig into the archaeology behind the text and the historical context behind the text. They're going to dig down deep into the details of the biblical text. They just have a hunger and a thirst for that kind of deep knowledge. A person with the gift of knowledge is often very comfortable with the abstract. They're comfortable with the abstract, so they don't mind learning truth for the sake of learning truth. They don't necessarily have to apply that truth. They just want the knowledge. They want to understand it. They want to have a better understanding of the text. And so they'll focus in on the details, and they'll come up with abstract principles, And they're fine with that. They don't need to apply that necessarily. They're fine with the abstract. So they're comfortable in the abstract. They don't really need the concrete. Uh, Oftentimes, you you see this, especially among uh, uh, the scholars, academic scholars. I mean, this is really those who have a, a high gift of knowledge. They're the ones who write those critical commentaries that if you, you, we have some in our library, if you go there and you, you bring some of those critical commentaries off the shelf, you, you go and you start reading them and say, uh-huh, what? I, I don't really understand it. Right? Because they're digging deep into the details. They're, they're getting down to the nitty gritty. They're talking about how the words fit together and, and all of these kinds of things, right? They're, they're getting into the deep details. So you'll see people, like academic scholars, they'll be high in the gift of knowledge. Preachers and teachers should have at least some degree of the gift of knowledge. They should have a a hunger to kind of dig at least a little bit down deeper into the details of a text. So there again, you have these degrees, right? Those who are in, in scholarship, those who are at the academy, they're high with the gift of knowledge. They need to be high with the gift of knowledge. They're, they're digging into the Greek. They're digging into the Greek Hebrew. They're digging into the Aramaic. They're digging into all of these details, learn more and more and more. Uh, but then when you get to the church and you, you get to preachers and teachers, uh, they're going to have to have a little more wisdom and teaching in that. So, so they're going to have to kind of shift away from that a little bit at least. And, and so uh, they, there's going to be degrees of that. There's going to be degrees of that throughout the church. There's going to be those who have a great sense of that gift of knowledge and then those who have a little bit, not quite as much, but they're still using that knowledge, that gift of knowledge for the edification of the church. So, again, uh, those who write those critical commentaries that we study and prepare lessons for, even Sunday school lessons, when you're preparing other people's material to prepare for a Sunday school lesson. Uh, the people who, who wrote those books, right, they're the ones who have that deep gift of knowledge, the spiritual gift of knowledge. So if you have the gift of knowledge, you have an acute mind, that thirst for greater biblical knowledge. You want to dig down into the details. The church needs you to, then the church needs you to share that knowledge with us. We need you to use that gift, to, to put that gift to use in the life of the church. Become a teacher. Become a disciple maker. To share your knowledge with others. This is a, a, a gift that is so needed in the church. We need people who, who have that thirst, that hunger for the knowledge of God's word to get in there, to dig into the details and help people, other people, understand those details details so the gift of knowledge do you have the gift of knowledge if you have the gift of knowledge and come see me we can we can put you to work we can certainly put you to work so it's the gift of knowledge third the third gift that we're going to see today is the gift of wisdom the gift of wisdom or the word of wisdom i meant to bring this out in the last one in the word of knowledge Look there at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, notice it says the utterance of wisdom and another, the utterance of knowledge. Uh, These are speaking gifts, specifically speaking gifts. Uh, The word utterance there in the Greek is the word logos, which is word. It's the word of knowledge, literally. And so these are speaking gifts. It's not enough to have knowledge for the sake of knowledge. Okay, you need to understand that. Man, I like to dig into the God's word. I like to learn all this stuff. But I ain't going to share it with anybody. I'm not going to open my mouth. I'm just going to keep this in my study. No, no, no. No, no, no. This is the gift of the utterance of, or the speaking of knowledge. The word of knowledge. The word of wisdom. So it means you, you've got to go to the study, dig deep learn these things, and then speak them to other people. So this is the spiritual gift of the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom. These are, in fact, teaching gifts. So we see the word of wisdom, the word of wisdom. Now, the word of knowledge was the ability to acquire deep insights into God's word and then bring that illumination to others. The word of wisdom is the ability to understand and discern biblical truth and apply these truths, and apply these truths. So someone with a heavy gift of knowledge, they're good with the abstract. Abstract truth is no problem for them. Uh, they can leave it at the abstract. Those critical commentary writers, they're good with the abstract. They, they just bring out all this information and they they dump that information to their readers and they leave it there it's up to you to apply that however you will but the word of wisdom takes that knowledge and it applies it that's what wisdom is wisdom is knowledge applied it is brought to 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 bear on someone's life it's brought to bear on someone's life so it's not just revealing this information it's not just a data dump but it's taking this data and saying now this is this is what it means to you this is what you need to do with this knowledge this is how this information affects your life that's the word of wisdom it's applying truth to the people of God this takes person takes knowledge that is gained and skillfully makes practical application from it. Matthew chapter 13, verse 54, of course, Jesus was full of wisdom and truth. And coming to his hometown, it says, Jesus taught them in their synagogues so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Where did he get this wisdom? So Jesus was going into the synagogues and he was taking the the scrolls off the shelf he was reading the scrolls he was explaining the scrolls and he was applying the word of god to the people he was applying it he was he was giving the people not just information but wisdom how it affected them what it meant for their very lives you know again every pastor should have some measure of wisdom Every pastor needs to have some measure of wisdom. He needs to be able not only to understand and explain God's word, but, but also to apply God's word to the lives of his people. There must be that application. There must be that application. Knowledge knowledge observes the ant. A- and it, it takes notes about the ant. It says, look at the ant. Oh, man, that ant works hard day after day, week after week. And that ant, he stores up so many, uh, so much food for the winter and, and all of this. That's what the, the, the ant says or the, the guy with knowledge says. But the one with wisdom, like Proverbs. Oh, there it is. Proverbs chapter 6. Starting in verse 6, this is wisdom. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food and harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When, you will, when will you arise from your sleep? a little sleep and a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. You see, Solomon was a wise man. He observed the ant. He saw how the ant worked. He saw how the the ant stored up food all summer long so that it would have plenty of food stored down in the ground to make it through the winter. And he says, you know what? That applies to us observe the ant you sluggard get off your lazy rump do what the ant does when it's time to to plant get out there and plant when it's time to harvest get out there and harvest or otherwise poverty is going to get you and that's what wisdom does wisdom takes knowledge and says well this is how it applies to us and this is what you need to learn from this text so pastors counselors teachers need to have at least some uh, some level of the word of wisdom the gift of wisdom if they are going to edify the body of Christ so if you have the gift of wisdom you can easily apply God's word to everyday life you can use your gift And you can use your gift to teach and counsel others in the word of truth. A lot of people read scripture and they don't know how to apply it to life. They they don't know how to ask that question. Now, what does this mean for me? Uh, What does this mean for my daily life? And they need people to come alongside them to disciple them and help them in God's word. They need those with wisdom, the gift of wisdom to teach them, to help them apply scripture to their lives so we have the gift of prophecy we have the gift of knowledge and the gift of wisdom our first three speaking gifts what are your gifts what are your gifts do you have one of these gifts do you have the gift of prophecy do you have the gift of knowledge do you have the gift of wisdom and maybe you have the gift of prophecy but god's not calling you be a preacher but maybe he's calling you to proclaim in another way. Maybe you have a combination of these gifts and, and God is, is calling you to teach in a life group or teach in some other area of the church. Or maybe he's just calling you to disciple other people. Man, the people with the gift of knowledge and the gift of wisdom make great disciplers, people who pull along new christians and help them learn god's word and apply it to their lives man we need you if you have any of these gifts we need you to use them in the life of the church maybe some of these characteristics of these gifts sound familiar to you you relate to them today you kind of feel comfortable with that if you have any of these gifts then we need you dear christian to employ your gifts in the life of the church Don't be one of those who sit and soak. Don't be one of those who just take and take and take. But use your gift. Employ your gift so that myself and your other brothers and sisters in Christ can grow. Can grow in their relationship with God because you're using your gifts effectively. Now if you do not have one of these gifts Uh, maybe you don't have any of these and that's fine just stay tuned be patient we're going to get there eventually a lot of people have the a lot of the serving gifts and and maybe if that's you you don't have a speaking gift at all no problem a few weeks from now we'll get to the serving gifts and we'll find where you you, where you kind of thrive but uh, be thinking about what's your gift what has God gifted you spiritually in your life to edify the church and then be ready and willing to employ that gift in the life of the church now if you are here or you're listening in on the web or or wherever and you've never trusted in christ you don't have a gift because spiritual gifts are a special gift that come from god when we trust in jesus christ and he sends his holy spirit to to live in us and indwell us. So I want to say to you if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, I want you to know that Christ loves you and He gave Himself up for you. So that if you trust in Him, if you believe in Him and surrender your life to Him, He will save you. He died for your sins, He died so that you could be forgiven. And he was raised again to assure you eternal life with him. If you will only trust in him. Will you trust in him today? If you trust in him, he will empower you. He will send his Holy Spirit to live within you and empower you to serve the church. Will you trust in him today? Will you give your life over to him? Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you that you have gifted us. You have equipped us, Lord, to, to do the ministry you have called us to do. You, you're not leaving us out there in our own power uh, to try to, to, to work our way through it, Lord. You empower us for the work of the ministry that you have given us, Lord. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would take advantage of, of the wonderful gifts that you have given to us, that we would use them. In, hone them even so that we can edify your body, the church. We can grow your church, make your church healthy, and Lord, we can make a great impact upon our community, upon our nation, upon our world as we reveal your presence to a lost and dying world. Lord, if there's those today who've never trusted in you, then, Lord, I just pray that you would touch their hearts, make their hearts new today. Let them see Jesus. Let them trust in Jesus. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.